joined today by Mr. Brad Perez. First off, man, how are you and how's everything going this year? I'm good. Uh, currently in New York City right now working for Hyundai, uh, doing nice. a program for them. And uh, in between a lot this week, just ran a late model race, uh, pitted a narco race and crewed an Xfinity race. So it was quite a quite a long weekend. So I'm glad I'm, even though this feels like not a vacation, it kind of feels like a vacation, kind of. Sure, sure. So, yeah. Uh, and I mean, and, uh, you know, you're not too far north from me right now. So I'm imagining the weather's probably very nice there as well as it is as it is here. So definitely not a bad thing. But. I mean, your 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 schedule often, at least you know, by Instagram story, makes me very tired. So, for those who maybe aren't aren't familiar, you know, what is your you know twenty twenty three background, and and you know what else are you are you getting into every week that that maybe people don't know about? Um, I, I remember I got asked the question a little bit ago, and the question went like, "Oh, what does your day to day look like?" and I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't give them a straight answer because I, I don't know. So, um, you know, every day is different either, you know, if I'm not working my conventional job and by conventional job, um, I work, uh, at two different driving schools. I work at the Ford performance yeah. school and the BMW school. And then on top of that, I'll do like video and, and media work for other people. Sometimes like I'll write, um, like scripts and stuff for people and, uh, and then I'll go on the sponsor hunt or whatever, but, and then I'll do traveling shows with manufacturers. I just kind of find any possible work that doesn't tie me down to a schedule <laughs> because my schedule's so unpredictable. So on top of that and trying to race in NASCAR, it's been quite a bit, quite a lot. Yeah. So you raced, what did you race? Xfinity and trucks this year? I don't have my list in yeah. front of me right now. So you, you've raced a little Xfinity. You've raced a little trucks. You've raced a little bit of ARCA a couple of years ago. Actually, I'm going to go kind of out of order here. So you raced for Josh Williams in ARCA a couple of years ago. And then I think I was reading, because this is kind of like pre when I was paying attention to, uh, you know, some of the, the lower NASCAR series earlier this year. Didn't he make contact with you at one point this year as well? So you got punted by the guy who you, you drove for at one point. Am I, am I remembering that correctly? And oh. in, in my, when my, my really shitty Apple notes right now. No, so it's funny because I, I saw that I got added to my Wikipedia page. A that's couple that's weeks where ago. I found it. Yeah. Yeah, that is not true. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he did not hit me at, at the so it was the end of the Portland race, uh, where I was filling in for Leland Honeyman because he had food poisoning. Uh last corner, last lap. I mean, I was getting held up by somebody and I, I'm seeing that 92 get in my mirror, like he's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm like, Jesus. Last lap. This is like we're running like 14th i'm like oh man we're gonna get a top 15 and he was right there and then i just overstepped the corner a little bit and i spun it at first i was like either i wrecked it or i just barely got nudged by the 92 right. i said that on the radio and then i guess people just ran with it and we're like the 92 punted him it's like no no no, no. like it could have been my fault and it was my fault so i stand corrected so you know let's, let's take a step back from all that as a kid growing up how'd you you first get into motorsports how'd you follow up with it and you know, how has your career progressed over the last, you know, especially the last couple of years? Um, so I was always that weird kid that was really into cars. Like I, I'd be at the parking lot and I'd be like, that's a Pontiac Bonneville. <laughs> and my parents are like, what? What is yeah, okay. going on with this kid? <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, get better grades. Um, so 
I would <laughs> I'd be doing that. And uh, I guess like my grandmother kind of noticed that I really like cars a lot and she would buy me like die casts and stuff. And she did occasionally get me some racing die casts and uh, eventually a poster of the DuPont Firestorm car. And from then on, I was just like, man, this is like a, a thing that exists in real life. My parents were like, yeah, it's real. You could go see it. And uh, they took me to a race when I was like five. And uh, ever since then, just became obsessed and didn't quite think I, I'd be in the driving route. Like, yeah, I wanted to drive, obviously, but um, we didn't have that kind of money. So I was a mechanic for a couple teams for a few years before I had the opportunity. So uh, I feel like I have a, a little different perspective of it, but um, I didn't quite love the mechanics, which is funny enough. I ended up becoming a mechanic. I really didn't care for it, but I did it because I really wanted to race and it actually worked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember when it was like mechanic is driving his first, you know, Arca race or Xfinity race or whatever it was a couple of years ago. But, you know, what was it, what was the process like to go from, you know, you're working, you know, as a crew guy to, you know, are you bugging the team owner? Like, Hey, you know, put me behind the seat or put me in the seat. You know, how did that, how did that process go when it, when you were, when you were like, all right, listen, I want to race. Um, it, it kind of, it was weird because my experience had to come somewhere else. Like when I, yeah. when I started making like good enough money, I was in go-karts and I was able to race go-karts for a little bit. And then, um, I went half and half of my dad on, on a spec Miata. It was like a $9,000 spec Miata instead of buying a new car, like, like one, you know, teenager should do bought a freaking race car, like an idiot. Um, <laughs> still have a used car. Um, but in doing that, um, what that allowed me to do is I got a little bit of mechanic experience that when I yeah. went on to become a mechanic, uh, really I did it not only because I needed to move from Miami, uh, it was really expensive to live down there and, I didn't see myself really being able to afford that, you know, ever I'd be living Fair. with my parents, Tom, whatever, 20 something. So, um, so I decided like, all right, my parents are letting me just kind of stay here for free for now. Let me just figure out how to kind of make live somewhere else. So yeah. North Carolina obviously is pretty cheap. So I went over there and made pretty like basically minimum wage. Like it was pretty, <laughs> pretty crappy. Yeah. But the, the main thing, I guess like the point I was trying to get to is that like, uh, to answer your question is, and doing that helped me gain the experience to like understand how a race weekend worked um, for free. Essentially, I'm getting paid to learn how a race weekend works, right, getting paid right. to figure out how the cars work, getting paid how to figure out what adjustment does what. Like I'm listening to the driver after we do this and I'm taking notes, uh, obviously, while, you know, trying to do my job. And I think that helped me because now when I went to go and try to find a ride, like number one, I know how much it costs. I know all that goes on. I know what the how the team operates and all that stuff. So like nobody could jip me, nobody could scam me, or you know, it's possible, yep. but at yep. least I have like a better understanding, you know, so I don't put myself in that position. Makes sense. So I'm gonna go off of racing here for a second. And I know you do some merch work uh with a metal band called I Set My Friends on Fire, which is fantastic and I don't often get to talk about like metal music on a racing podcast. So I was especially excited, but you know, how did you, how did you kind of sync up with them and, and, you know, a, are you still involved? And they also sponsored a race car. So tell us how, you know, how exciting that was to have, you know, guys that you're, you're probably friends with at this point sponsor, you know, a different part of your life. Yeah. It, it's super weird how that worked. Like, you know, I was, I was a big fan of, I set my friends on fire as a kid and it was mainly because like, it's one of the few bands in that in the scene that were from South Florida. So yep. they're from the yep. Kendall area. 
And, um, you know, I would always go to local shows and see them around and never really talk to them because I was just like a you know, pink little kid. <laughs> uh, so uh, when I ended up doing the NASCAR circus thing, uh, I connected with Nate Blaisdell, who does a lot of management work in the sport. At the time, he didn't. Uh, his dad owned a couple of Papa Lock franchises and they sponsored Landon Castle. Sure. And Landon Castle also being another metalhead. And uh, good to know. I ended up meeting him at, uh, yeah, dude, he's sick. <laughs> uh, I ended up meeting up with him at Watkins Glen one year. And I remember like we we're going to watch corn or something, but I ended up not going because I was busy. Um, but after that, we connected and uh, got to know each other. There was an opening uh, because I, I had done merch in the past for a couple local bands like uh, with Locusts and Liars, um, you know, Afterlife. Well, you, Afterlife used to be a band called Every Passing Dream. I did it with them. Um, Sounds so, familiar. Yeah, they had to put songs with the guys from uh, Adalia and stuff like that. So okay. um, mm-hmm. I ended up being, uh, did merch with them. So I had experience. Nate called me. He goes, hey, man, our, our merch guy is doing merch for Falling in Reverse and we need a guy. And I was like, awesome. I will be there. And I did a short run with them and ended up licking with their friend sink in. And I'm now I'm doing merch for a couple bands. I, okay. I'm not doing it this run. I wanted to be on the tour that's happening right now, but uh, the, this gig paid way better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. So you mentioned, I'm just really just personal curiosity and probably nobody else cares, but the falling in reverse guys and, and the guy who ended up doing merch there, did you hear that cover song of the Papa Roach song they did? Yeah, it was sick. And honestly, okay, I hate yeah. Ronnie Radke. That's like yeah, public. He... I hate Ronnie Radke with all my being. But he's very talented. And the yes. band's very talented. <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie Radke is not a good human being in the slightest. And I am not saying this as a defense of him. The song was very good. But he is a, yeah, he's a yeah, terrible Yeah, it was human good. <laughs> okay. I'm glad sure. we're on the same page on that one. So back to racing. Yeah. You, We've got, I don't know, eight-ish weeks left in the NASCAR circus. You have anything left? in the seat on you know pit lane what's what's the rest of the year looking like uh so finishing out the year with emerald and gase motorsports uh on the crew side uh obviously the races that i'm not going to be there uh i'm doing this like i'll i'll be going to um to sonoma for a bmw event so i'm not going to okay. be yeah. at uh i think um texas i'm obviously not there this week because uh, i'm in new york so I got that, um, but all the other races, I'll be there. Um, I'll be racing the Charlotte Roval. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. Nice. I'm excited for that. And then uh, I might do another oval. I'm not sure exactly which one, but we'll see. Nice. So <laughs> since you're going to be at the Roval, NASCAR switched up their playoff stage format for the road courses where there's, you know, stage break again, where they didn't have stage breaks all year on the road courses. Curious for your thoughts. Like, cause like, I know like I thought the non-stage break stage break was really cool, but also I get the point that it, the races were kind of dragging on and not maybe as exciting for the TV audience. So you're probably more educated than me. So what do you think? So I think the interesting part about that is this year we've done both yeah. um, because we did the, we had the stage cautions at the non-companion races and I've done two of those. Yeah. Then we did the no stage cautions. Uh, so I got to experience both in one year. So I think I have a, a I finally have a good perspective on something that people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the, 
the non-stage cautions, um, at least for Xfinity, have been fun because the races were just short enough that like you can play the strategy game. Sure. Uh, and I think that there's a big disparity in the field, which which still makes it interesting. Like you get to see like who goes long, who goes short, and there's a, such a disparity in equipment where the new Cup car is so close and the drivers are so good. That's why I feel like it drags out because they don't make mistakes. They're really good. They're you know the equipment is so similar. So I don't necessarily think it's like a bad thing, but for Xfinity, it's been awesome. I think like sure. the entertainment value is awesome. Like um, selfishly, I hope that we get stage cautions because uh, with the way that the, the back of the pack guys are, we don't have the kind of pit crews. Uh, we don't have the full tire allotment that a lot of the big teams have. So when it comes to those kind of races, uh, we almost rely on stage cautions to be able to contend. Um, I think Sonoma was such a fun race for me, like from the driver's seat, because I love long green flag runs. Personally, I'm like, I'm a big long green flag run guy. Second restarts, try to get better at it. Uh, But that opportunity let me like, okay, we're running like top 15 lap times, like 20 laps in a run, which is like awesome because tires fell off. And, but the moment we come to pit, you know, we're at a disadvantage. Um, So it kind of kills it for us. It's fun for me, but um, I would say, from a financial perspective, stage cautions are better. Uh, from an entertainment perspective, maybe also if people like big restarts. But I think, sure. like from a competition standpoint, I love I love the no stage cautions. So, a large majority of our audience is probably open wheel fans, so they may not know. You know, when you're talking about like smaller teams in Xfinity that don't have the full tire allotment, don't have full crew, like how like how tough is it? And you know, can you just explain to everybody like how you know? how big the gap is. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. Um, I think the, the best way to put it is imagine 
um, you and someone else go on a baseball field and you're, you're equally as gifted physically as that person. Let's say now I put a 15 pound weight on your shoulder and now you need to throw a fastball. <laughs> okay. Like, I you see may be able to at. figure yeah. it out somehow. You may be able to figure it out. You're still on the level playing field technically, uh, but you're at a disability and that's yep. essentially where yep. we're at. Like, um, you know, I've seen a big argument this week about like, oh, why are small teams even on the track if they're so, you know, broke and crying, broken, all that stuff. But it's like you got to think about like the opportunities that teams like that provide to people like me. It gives me a chance to actually be on track and it, it yeah. allows allows people to learn. Um, you know, we all can't be the fastest when we show up, even, what you know, no matter how good you think you are or, or how prepared you are, you know, everyone needs needs to make mistakes. Everyone needs to try. And I think it's it's great when you're able to like learn, make mistakes and, and do that kind of thing with not the big financial risk uh, driving for a car that like, you know, like a Gibbs car that can win the race, even if you could afford that, you know? So I think that's why you see like people like Ross Chastain and, and Ryan Priest who have gone through the lower tier teams to, to gain experience. So now they get to the big level and you're like, Oh man, they're just that good. It's like, no, <laughs> they had a lot of reps yep, <laughs> um, yep. with teams that provided that opportunity. So yeah, it's tough. So you also have less available sets of tires too, because it's just, you can't spend the money. Yeah. So the tire bill is usually our biggest bill of the weekend. Cause yeah. I would say most Xfinity races are four to five sets a weekend. And if you build that at 2275. Good Lord. Yeah. Know, yeah, that times that. And that's that's our tire bill for the weekend. So if you could gain you could get like secondhand tires, let's say I buy two sets of tires and then I get a scuff set for eight hundred bucks and then I get another scuff set for another five hundred bucks. That just saved me, you know, a lot. Five, six grand. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. So you also have one of the like two more things. Both of them are very easy. You've had one of the coolest NASCAR liveries maybe of all time. I forget the name of the sponsor. Bone Arrow Steel is what's coming to mind right now. Um, hopefully, I nailed close, that right. Close aerospace, close. Yeah, I was close. <laughs> so how how did that come about with you know the sponsor? And then also, did you have a hand in designing that livery? Was it the sponsor themselves? Was it somebody on the team? Like how did that you know creative side of the process work? Because the 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 car and the merch are fantastic. No, thank you. Uh, I think. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Luke creative. I am, I'm very big on like image and I think yeah. like you know, the way things look are important. I think it, it says a lot about you. It says a lot about the quality of what you have to bring. And, and we're in, we're in a, a selling market where all we're doing is selling everybody's selling something. So uh, I put a lot of value and I spent a lot of my own money uh, with Luke creative for them to design everything, like everything down from the fire suits to tune in graphics, to liveries, to, to everything like that. And when I approached them with the, the idea, I originally was going to use the truck livery that we had earlier with the rocket yeah. ship on the side of it. Uh, but the sponsor, Bone Steel Aerospace, Preston Bone Steel, he really wanted to do a, a really cool special design for the Chicago street course. And I was all on board with it. I was just Hell like, yeah. man, I'm spending a lot of money on, on creative right now. I don't know if I can get another paint scheme done, but um <laughs> The, the Luz, uh, Emily and Harris, they do such an amazing job. Uh, and I literally told them, like, this is the idea, you know, just something really cool with planets and stars. 
and they emailed me like a, a week later or something like that with the craziest design. I'm like, I, I wouldn't even touch it. Like that's, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Fair. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. And for everybody listening, go check out the merch on online. I'll put the link in, in the description, the show notes here, but it's, it's really cool. Wrap it up with an easy one. You've probably met a lot of cool race car drivers over the last couple of years. Have you gotten a piece of advice from I, I somebody who's in the Cup Series or somebody who's in IMSA, you know, or, or wherever that you know something that you really take to heart and, and you kind of remember all the time? And if you want to share it, cool. If not, you know who uh, who gave you that great advice? Um. So it's funny because the I've quoted him previously. Yeah. In in another interview about something that he said that I've, I've used to guide my career a lot. Uh, and it was, don't be bitter. Uh, and that was from Andy Lally. Um, okay. And that was something that I, I quoted from him. And I, he didn't tell me that. It was just something I read that he said and uh, ended up meeting Andy and, and me and him have now become good friends. And he told me another uh, piece of advice. And uh, I don't think he'll mind that I'll share this, uh, but I'll censor it. I'll be like, he, he says, bleep everyone else. Okay, I like it. All when right, you're out yep. there. It's you, and I'm like, man, I, 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 I sometimes you, it's hard to think about that because when you're up against people with with so much experience and so much uh, talent, and you know you've seen them accomplish all these things, and you're out there, and you're like, oh, I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want to like, you know, you know, drive sure. them bad, and 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 I one time I I vented to him about it, and he goes, why do you care? F everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Like, really? Because, yeah, I don't care. Like, I could Bear. be right behind Kyle Larson. I'll punt him out of the way. I'm like, what are you talking about? But that's the kind of guy Andy is, and, and that was a, a great piece of advice. I love it. Well, we'll wrap it there. Good luck, man. Safe travels, and we'll have to have you on again uh, at some point early next year. Oh, thank you, Mike. I'll come on anytime. Awesome, man. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Andy Billman, and this is the Believe in the Land podcast a weekly look back at the week that was in cleveland sports the highs Ooh, Guardians clap, Guardians clap. the lows i've been asked on this channel all the time when are you gonna panic panic buttons been hit and everything in between i directed a film that came out in 2016 called believe land and we love our sports here in cleveland ohio thank you god Check in for weekly podcasts and so much more. What the hell was that tonight? All in, all day, every day. Go Cleveland, believe in the land.